episode 961, Climbing the Tree of Life. This is a movie review, everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, people are going to think it has to do with yeah, like... That's true. I thought the, the same thing. Welcome to the sci-fi It kind of does. Bring you theology at warp speed. I'm Matt Edison. I'm Ben DiBono. And we're about to talk about one of Ben's favorite films. He just said it's in his top 10 yeah. of all films that exist. And yeah, and I, w- I was I just rewatched it last night, and I was I was thinking about that. I mean, I was thinking about the influence of two thousand and one on it, which I, I think is very very apparent mm-hmm. in certain parts of this movie. Movie, of course, is The Tree of Life by mm-hmm. Terrence Malick. Uh, just such an overwhelmingly great movie. You know, it, it's there's there's movies where. Like when I think about my my favorite movies, so I'm not in any particular order, you know, you know something like Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, what do I love about Lawrence of Arabia? Well, you love the cinematography, you love the acting, you love the story, you love the, you know, the the breakdown of the character and and how many different ways you can think about that movie. Or, you know, Seventh Samurai. I, I love the way that it's shot. I love the epic scope of it. I love the action in it. I love the prototype for you know so many other movies to come. Or, you know, or, or something more intimate. Like I have a lot of Ingmar Bergman movies on my my top ten persona. You know, the, the psychological drama. You get into something like Tree of Life, and it it's it's so profound what this movie is. Uh, there's there's nothing else quite like it. I mean, like I said, there's a relationship between two thousand and one. Uh, there's certainly other movies that maybe get you into that existential space, but but what Terrence Malick has accomplished is, is just extraordinary. You know, I as I was watching it, I've only said it once, and I watched it recently in preparation for episode 950 because this is one that Ben's loved. So I I put it on my list purposely to force myself to finally watch it. Uh, I picked up on the 2001 connection, but now as I'm thinking back, I and I don't have my notes in front of me. I'll, I'll load them up. My movie review that is. I don't remember exactly why it made me feel that way. Can you talk a little bit about that 2001 A Space Odyssey influence? Yeah, I mean, when when people think about 2001, they think of the long stretches without dialogue. They think of mm-hmm. the through the Stargate sequence and and all of that. And there's a couple of sequences in Tree, Tree of Life that very much echo those. Uh, the key one that I want to I want to talk to for, from a number of angles is about 20 minutes into the movie. Um, you hear the voiceover of the mother and she's, she's praying and she asks God, you know, it's very much this kind of book of Job moment. And the book of Job is of course a, a, a bit of a controlling narrative to the whole thing. Um, though there's more to it than that from a biblical perspective. Uh, you know, but she asks and, and you have the, the shot of, of the, the light in the void, which is the opening and closing shot of the movie as well. And you hear her ask, you know, where are you? You Because she's lamenting the death of her son. And it goes into this incredible sequence that begins with the lacrimosa. And I will talk about that in a minute. Um, But it begins with that. And then it goes through creation and it goes through life. And then it, you know, it, it, the, the creation scenes, uh, uh, these cosmic scenes that you're seeing uh, simultaneously mirror conception as well as the birth of the universe and and you're not sure which one you're watching or if you're watching both and 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 they're very much in parallel there and it's it's 
very uh, Stargate sequence esque, mm-hmm. not Stargate the the '90s movie, but the 2001 Stargate esque, and very much intentionally so. And even some of the shots of the the planets, you know, the famous opening uh, shot of 2001, yeah. where you know, thus spoke Zarathustra, and and you have the planets line up. There's a couple of shots in the that sequence. Then again, at the end, where we kind of have that heaven Edenic sequence at the beach where you get some more of those cosmic shots you have moments there in both of those sequences in the movie that very very distinctly echo 2001 that's very intentional yeah now that you're saying that 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 does ring a bell i i want to ask you a few questions but before i do ask you this question i see that this movie came out in 2011 and i remember that you ranked it number one of your movies from the last decade which would be 2010 to 2019 uh, I also see, I wanted to see exactly where you ranked it. So I have, I at one point had copied your top films list on Letterboxd. So I could almost use it like a checklist of things to get to eventually. I do see here, whenever I copied this, you had done your top 25 and this is 15. Do you mind if I okay. tell you what's yeah, let's, below let's see. Let's see what's in front I'm of I'm just going to read it in order, okay. one, one to 15. So number one, 2001, yep. A Space Odyssey. Number two, uh, and- Andre Rublev. And- Andre Rublev. Uh, on, uh, number three, The Passion of Joan of Arc. Number four, Lawrence of Arabia. Number, yep. Number five, Stalker. Yep. Number six, Barry Lyndon. Yep. Now, I'm, I'm interested if you think any should move after we talk about this. Number yeah. seven, Seven Samurai. Number eight, Persona. Number nine, Eyes Wide Shut. Number 10, Ordette. Number 11, The Shining. Number 12, The Sacrifice. Number 13, A Clockwork Orange. Number 14, Fanny and Alexander. And here we are, number 15, The Tree of Life. I'd probably, I'd for sure move it up a little bit. I mean, I think there's, gosh, those are some great movies. Whoever made that list has has phenomenal taste. <laughs> which, one wanna, which one has to go? If I had to, no, not go out of the out of the top ten. I want to reorganize this to make it what. Well, you I don't want to like. do that this episode. But I I'm, just, just, I'm just curious on what would you move up? Like, what? How would Tree of Life move up? What would you be willing to move to I, the new fifteen? I, I'd I'd move it ahead of Clockwork Orange. I love Clockwork Orange. Uh, but I'd move it ahead of Clockwork Orange, okay. which would make the, uh, Clockwork Orange fourteen and Fanny, Fanny and Alexander. Yeah, I, I'd say I'll say this: uh, I feel very solid on my top four. You know, two thousand one, Andre Rublev, Passion of Joan of Arc, Lawrence of Arabia. Those feel almost immovable to me. Mm-hmm. And then you could say from five through fifteen, you could almost shuffle the deck. Okay. Not quite, but you could almost shuffle the deck for me okay. on those. Okay, good. They're, they're just all great movies. All right. And now to my question. You <laughs> yeah. had mentioned to me last week that the Criterion Collection version of this movie has both the theatrical version, which is what I watched, yep. but also an extended version uh, that has added Sean Penn scenes. Yes. So when you sat down to watch it yourself recently, what did you choose to watch? Uh, I, I went with the theatrical version. I think they're both really good. Um. So I've I've only watched the extended cut once, so I I will probably I, I could see myself alternating between the two. I I don't know that I I want to necessarily come out and say one is definitively stronger than the other. I think that why why would I maybe go with the theatrical cut? Um, I feel like the material that's added is good, uh, and it adds to the story. But it's also the type of movie where the most compelling parts of it aren't the story. You know, the more compelling parts of it are the spiritual elements, the the transcendent elements. And so for me, 
like I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like I'm criticizing it. I'm not. The extended cut's very very good and and it's worth watching. Uh, but it's more it's adding things to the portions of the movie that aren't necessarily what I point to when I talk about why this is one of the greatest movies of all time. Okay, and I always say this and. They sh- I'm sure they know. Spoilers going forward here. No, yeah, but what, what can you spoil? I know in this that movie? is true. I guess. Like, well, could you even know? I mean, after one viewing, how well can you even articulate the plot? It's what I'm more spoiling how this movie is presented because, in yeah. some ways, it might be good to not have expectations. Well, should I tell you my experience? Yeah, I, yeah, I want to hear about that. All right, but I want to hear also how you came to fall in love with this movie. But because my watching, my viewing came from the fact that you love it. So here we go. Uh, I sat down to watch this uh, early July, and I knew for this one, although I typically will watch movies in various chunks, yeah. I knew I because this is a favorite of yours, I should try to do this in one sitting. And, and it's just a different sort of movie, too. And I think I told you this already. I was able to do it in like one and a half sittings. I watched yeah. a little bit of it, but then knew I can't. I want to give this my full attention, so I waited until later and I watched the whole rest of it. So I bet I... yeah. I don't know how much, but it was a short amount that I watched uh, first. So I started watching this movie, and it it's so <laughs> it, it's inventive, but also just kind of weird yeah. as you're watching. And you, I guess I didn't know not to expect traditional storytelling, right. which is fine. Uh, in retrospect, I ended up giving it four and a half, so I definitely liked it. But it had elements that almost felt like a like a music video, just quick cuts. Nothing's really, there's things happening that you're seeing, but you can't really follow anything. Uh, Yeah. The narrative isn't, isn't presented in the way a narrative is. I remember at first just kind of being like, what the heck? How does Ben like this at first? Right. uh, You know, the end of the story is I end up loving it, but uh, I, it was just the way it was unfolding and you're seeing like close up of plants. Right. And (laughs) I can't, I'm trying to like, remember what i mean there's scenes of nature and scenes of space and you were you've touched on this a little bit and it reminded me of you know here at our local science museum i don't know if this is nationwide i'm sure there's a, a lot of places but we have an omni theater at our science museum and again i don't know if this is a thing that lots of science museums have but it's it's a theater where the whole ceiling is a dome and you watch nature or space themed movies there, educational usually and it's kind of like you just look up and you just watch this whole film it felt at first like this is something you could watch at an Omni theater. It's it's funny you mentioned that because, uh, and I haven't watched it, but uh, Terrence Malick did a a IMAX movie called Voyage Through Time, oh. which is based on parts of this expanded parts of of that from the beginning of time to the end. Oh, of time that's kind of cool for for IMAX Omni theaters. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Well. Well. So that's what I was experiencing at first, but then as there are there are narrative elements. Of course, you are yes. seeing a story. Just not and you, the, you contract the characters yeah. and yeah, and so then all of a sudden now I'm in the middle of it and experiencing it and I, I'm reflecting on my life on my young kids' lives. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm thinking about my family and and what, what things are like here on Earth. And even as I was realizing, I'm thinking about my life here on Earth, not knowing where the movie was going to go and yeah. showing the afterlife. Uh, uh it, it's weird. It almost is like. It puts you in the mind to be totally prepared to have that afterlife scene. Uh, yeah, the ending scene is, is... I mean, there's a couple of portions in this movie, and I've seen it a number of times. Yeah, where, that's the part I love. Where it's like, you just have to stop, and, and you just... 
you like you literally can't be doing anything else. Mm-hmm. It, it's a spiritual experience, yeah. and, and that's one of them. The other one is um, at least the beginning of that kind of IMAX sequence. So, uh, you know, I referenced this already. She asks into the void, mm-hmm. you know, in this prayer, where are you? It's a very Book of Job moment, and it's like God's answer to Job is the same thing that we see. Like, where were you when I, I created everything? But what's the first three minutes, that's like a 20-minute sequence mm-hmm. of that, Well, if you trace it all the way through. The first three minutes of that are like one of the most overwhelmingly spiritual things that's ever been captured in cinema because it's set to it's it's all these cosmic shots and it's set to uh, a song called lacrimosa lacrimosa the lyrics from it are taken from and you remember this from seventh seal the dearest Aire. so lacrimosa um, means full of tears and it's it's a title that's also given to the virgin mary our lady of sorrows and as you hear the lacrimosa playing, as you get these cosmic shots, it's it's this incredible dichotomy between like the message from Job of God basically taking Job and shoving his face into all the things that are beyond him, like the cosmic scope of just creation. Take God out of it, you know, just. The your problems here on Earth, you're you're less than a speck of dust in the cosmic scale, and that's juxtaposed with this incredible rendition of the Lacrimosa, uh, and and that gets not just to the human experience of sorrow in the context of the movie of the death of the child, but also of God sharing in that sorrow with us, and specifically in a Catholic context and. Um, I don't know if Terrence Malick is Catholic, but he makes very Catholic movies. Uh, you have the, the Blessed Virgin's sharing of that, you know, her sorrow is over, over the cross and over our sins and over the state of the human condition. And those three, four minutes there at the beginning of it are almost overwhelming to me to watch. It's like just the most incredible thing I've ever seen in cinema. Restate that again. Where exactly in the film is it? This is right at the beginning. This is about twenty minutes in. Okay. When we get to the section and and you know her son has died and we've mm-hmm. kind of seen all of the beginning stuff and some of the opening scenes with Sean Penn and everything. It's mm-hmm. it's like exactly twenty minutes. And she says, you know, God, where are you? So right from there. Uh huh. Okay. Oh, it's like that's worth going and watching as well. But the other thing that's great, I, I'm just trying to get to this opening quote uh, that's there because I want to read. Um, you know, they have the opening quote from Job, which is great. Uh, but there, there's, so we hear Jessica Chastain's character, which she's the mother in this movie. And I want to, I want to talk more about that in a minute. Um, but she has this quote on, you know, that the nuns taught us again, that's that Catholic influence that there's two ways through life, the way of, of nature and the way of grace. And then she juxtaposes those and talks about them. And then you watch that theme play out through the rest of the movie. And it's so overwhelming, like what you're watching, uh, you know, the failures of the father, you know, Brad Pitt's character in there, but also the love that he has for his kids. And you see, like, you know, the, the way of nature, as she explains it in this opening quote, is is this selfish, 
driven, like just striving, angry, can't get anywhere. It very much exemplifies the way Brad Pitt's character is throughout a lot of the movie. And the way of Grace is God's way. And that's where, you know, that's really her journey through the movie from going to where are you? Do you even care about us? Which kicks off the lacrimosis sequence to at the end, one of the things you hear on the voiceover in the heaven sequence is she says it's it's like a continuation of that same prayer from two hours earlier in the movie. And she says, I give my son to you. It's just it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's also the thing you have to get from a, a Catholic standpoint in this is that her character. Uh, and I don't I mean, this is a whole other other topic to dive into. I'm kind of bouncing around. But the, the biblical typology in this movie is in, incredible. And what I mean by that is that we have the book of Job as kind of this controlling narrative. Um, but yet. The biblical typology spans Genesis to Revelation. Like the Revelation stuff's pretty obvious at the end, and that this is the end of time and the reunion and and everything is made right and, and the restoration of creation. So you have the Revelation stuff comes in, but it's very much you know Garden of Eden and and Cain and Abel and Adam and Eve and all of that. And you can see this Texas family that we're watching. It's very typological of the of the. Uh, you know, the first family and, and like even Jack, who's the main, you know, Sean Penn's characters were, were really witnessing his memories of boyhood mm-hmm. and his loss of innocence and his, his own struggles with dealing with the reality of sin and his love of his mother. But Jessica Chastain's character has a very special place in the movie because she not only exemplifies all these other roles that are going on, but she is the Virgin Mary in the movie. And it, it's, it's extraordinary. Like when you watch it from that lens just what Terrence Malick is able to accomplish. Uh, you know, uh, I'll shut up in a second, but the, some of the shots I love most in there, there's a couple of fantasy shots, and I, I, my interpretation of the movie, they're not literally happening, but like where he sees his mother floating in the air, she's flying, and then there's one where she's kind of in a Sleeping Beauty uh, you know, thing in the woods. She's in that kind of, not Sleeping Beauty, but Snow White, mm-hmm. you know, glass glass tomb in the woods. And it's like there's this this mythic, quality that his mother has for him and it's like why it's well she's exemplifying the virgin mary in, in this this movie it's the movie is overwhelmingly uh, from a spiritual perspective yeah when you you're talking about favorite scenes i probably was sitting at about a four until the end but then when you get to the scene where the dead are reuniting uh i just i was really moved by it i um as Christians, we don't necessarily know exactly what our tr- transition into heaven will be like. Right. But I like to imagine it's going to be like what we saw here in Tree of Life. Yeah. Uh, where as you're entering into that place, you're finding your loved ones. I, even now, I've thought a lot about um, some people have called it soul sleep, where yeah. everyone just kind of goes into heaven at the same time. I wouldn't necessarily call it sleeping because I think heaven's outside of time. So really anything can happen. I That's kind of where I tend to think. Is that there's like right now my grandpa who's passed away isn't up in heaven just waiting for me to to come in a couple of years. Yeah, I think we all are just going to enter at the same time, find our loved ones. I do. I, I like the idea. I mean, this is all just what I'm saying is I, how I'd like it to be. I don't necessarily know if that. No one knows exactly what it's yeah. going to be like, but yeah, I I guess I was really moved by this scene at the end, and then that put me over the edge. I, I mean, I was close to a five. I think I felt like. Can I move it a full star rating because of one thing that's moving me so much? Maybe I could have, but I, I played it safe and did four and a half. I imagine this is going to be a five-star movie to me going forward. I think it's one that, that there's a lot to digest on your first viewing, especially if, you know, for you, it's your first Terrence Malick movie. 
You don't watch a lot of movies like this. Uh, there's a lot to really kind of take in. Well, are there a lot of movies like this? This is this seemed really inventive and original to me. It, it, yeah, I mean, even among Terrence Malick, this is unique. But I guess what I mean by that is kind of this experimental, transcendent movie. So, I mean, th- to understand Terrence Malick's method, what you ha- what you have to understand is that he he really does go out and shoot a traditional movie with a traditional narrative. Okay. And then the way I like to describe him is when you're reading a book or watching a movie that's meaningful to you, you know, so you're watching these characters and then you're having an experience here. And of course, you know, on some level that what you're reading or watching isn't real, assuming it's fictional. Uh, and, but yet it still moves you. Like there's still something profound or it means something to you or it speaks to you in a way. And people use language like that to talk about art. Uh, it's like, okay, well, what's going on between this fictional character? You know, take something like Lord of the Rings is very meaningful to a lot of people, has moved people on a deep level, make them think great thoughts and feel big emotions and all of that. It's like, okay, what's going on between there? Why does this made-up story about a world that doesn't exist with characters that don't exist in a scenario that doesn't exist and has no parallel to our own, at least on a surface level here here on Earth, why does that that means something to us. And like that's the artistic aesthetic conversation is why, why, why is art, why is story so important to humans? And that's something we've unpacked a lot over the years. And I think it's a very deep and profound question to ask. And the way I think of it is that at some level, there's a space between you and the story. Like there's something that's happening in between there. That's transcendent, mysterious and profound. And Terrence Malick, like he films the story, but then when he edits his movie together, he tries to occupy that space in between. So it's like, yeah, the story's over here. That's happening. But what I really care about is this in between place here. That's where I want you to stay. And that's what he's doing in his movies. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking at his movie list. I just loaded up here just to see if I happen to have seen anything else. He doesn't have that many. Do you mind if I name some of them? Yeah, and he took like a 25-year break between Days of Heaven and, and Thin Red Line. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I haven't seen any of his other films. This was my first. Here we go. Badlands. Just yep. give me like thumbs up or thumbs down. Oh, they're all thumbs up. Okay, so Badlands, Thin Red Line. That one... I well, you're, like, you skipped over Days of Heaven. I'm not going in order. I'm, oh. Uh, I could, do you want me to do that? Yeah. All right, let me go ahead and... Uh, so right now, I just, I'm just i looking at them through Letterboxd, and so they're, they're actually started by... Letterbox popularity. Okay. Yeah. So I'll do earliest first. I'll start over. So Badlands is the first one. Yep. Days of Heaven. Yep. And you said that there was how how much of a break between this and there's Thin like Red Line? 25 years between between Days of Heaven and Thin Red Line. So when we get to the Thin Red Line in 1998, I've heard of this film and I could be wrong, but I guess I always thought that was more traditional. Would this be? No, no, it's a war movie. Okay. But it's. Imagine a war movie being told with the same aesthetic yeah. as Tree of Life. Okay. Like that same in-between mentality. All right. What about The New World from 2005? Yeah, that's great. Really? That's great. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, and that's I- one where you should watch the extended cut. Okay. So then we go to the Tree of Life and uh, moving past that to The Wonder. Yeah. I love that movie. Man, these I've never even heard of these. Knight of Cups. Very, very good. Voyage of Time. That's, that's his. I haven't watched that one yet. That's his IMAX one. Here's one a little more recently, Song to Song. That's probably the only Terrence Malick movie I haven't liked. I've only watched it once. What was it about that you didn't like? I'd have to go back and rewatch it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where are we at here? Together. I, I don't know that one. I think so, it's just a short. Uh, let me take a look here. It's yeah from 2018. Oh, it's a VR experience about the power of human connection. 
It must be. Oh, six minutes long. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. A Hidden Life. I have that. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but really? I have it. Yeah. It's a, it's about a Catholic uh, saint. Crazy that you haven't watched it. Why, why haven't you? You've got your- I feel like, to, you know, Terrence Malick, you have to be prepared for his movies. You don't just sit down and be like what I did with James Bond. I love James mm-hmm. Bond. But where it's like, oh, I'm just going to watch through all the James Bonds. You don't do that with, with something like Terrence Malick. You have to be prepared for it. You have to, and, and not just emotionally prepared for it, you have to be spiritually prepared for it. And, and there's something about watching a new Terrence Malick movie where I want to be in the right place when I do it. So his most, so I, like I said, I ended up reorganizing them chronologically. There's a movie coming up, it looks yes. like, it, called The Way of the Wind, and, and that, it's about Jesus. Yes, yes. I'm very excited for that. That, wow. that could be incredible. Okay. Okay, so that's that. So I, yeah, I have not seen any of those. Which one do you recommend to me next? You know, I, I think you got to watch Thin Red Line at some point. I know you don't like war movies. Not just like them. I, 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 I do feel like not that I. I don't know what I'm saying. Do I avoid them? I guess I was going to say I avoid them. I don't know what it is. There's something about war movies that does not resonate with me. Yeah, war as a spiritual experience, and not just it's not like like that makes it sound like it's very rah rah pro war. It's not about that at all. It's it's very it's a very profound movie. Uh, so Thin Red Line, I'd recommend a lot. I think To the Wonder is is extraordinary. Yeah, Days of Heaven is his classic movie that everybody cites. Um, you know, I think either any of those three you, you can't go wrong with. Okay. Uh, do you have some other thoughts? I have some more thoughts on Tree of Life, but do you want to say some more things? Yeah. Um, well, let, let, I want to hear what you what more you have to say. All right. So I'll, if I'm telling a personal story connected to my viewing of this, I'll just admit here that I had had uh, I I don't want to sound like it was like a gigantic argument with a family member, but it, it was a, a stronger a stronger conflict than usual with yeah. a, a family member. So I was I went went into this viewing in sort of a bad mood, like probably a very bad mood. Yeah. Uh, and. So the, the film's examining life, and it's really looking at what's truly important. And all of a sudden, I'm realizing while I'm watching this movie, the best thing that I'm currently mad about is trivial in the grand scheme of things. And so it, I, not that this is a selling point for the film, but because of the depth of its themes and what it was trying to say, I ended up readjusting my feelings about this thing that happened, and I'm focusing on what actually matters. And all of a sudden, this conflict goes away. Uh, you don't get that from a Marvel movie. <laughs> and so, I mean, I don't know. You That might not mean anything to you, but it's just a personal story. But no, I, I, I think it's like that's that's the power of a movie like this. Yeah, it, it just it makes you realize there are much bigger things to worry about uh, uh, and that just to focus on what's really important. Yeah, and that's exactly yeah. it's a perfect theme for what I'm currently going through. And like some things that I've been thinking a lot through is just this reprioritization. Uh, this is the perfect movie for me in this time of my life as I'm trying to focus on what's the most important. Yeah, it, it's a movie that forces you to look at things from that cosmic transcendent scale mm-hmm. as much as you can, which, of course, you can't. But you, you maybe you can more than you are right now. That's yeah. what the movie pushes you to do. Uh, yeah, I, I think that you would ask me what my first experience was, with it was. So I'd heard of it. Mm-hmm. I was vaguely aware that there was this movie called Tree of Life that uh, was supposed to be pretty good. So, you know, back when I was working at home, it was on HBO, probably 2012 or something. I turned it on in the background while I was working. Uh, Not the way to watch it. I realized that very soon. Did you really? Probably like 20 minutes in. I was like, I've got to turn this off because this is not the way to watch this. 
and then I never got around to, to to watching it when it was on HBO. So I think a few a few years went by, and, and Brian, our sci-fi Christian historian, can track when. But it was on one of my top twenty-five things to watch oh, lists early really? on. One of the very first ones we did. It might have even been you know two fifty to three fifty. I might be able to find out. I'll do a quick search. And and so I watched it then. Uh, I loved it. I've watched it a number of times over the years. Um, you know, mostly the theatrical cut. I've seen the extended cut once. Uh, and then from there, you know, really just beginning to explore Terrence Malick's uh, filmography, uh, watching, you know, Thin Red Line, watching The New World, uh, Days of Heaven. And and it it starting out as kind of, you know, this is before I became uh, the certified snob I am I'm <laughs> now about cinema. But it's one of those... those it's one of those experiences learning to watch Terrence Malick that says, okay, maybe, maybe it's worth learning to appreciate that type of cinema, you know, that type of transcendent cinema. And so I'd say, you know, Terrence Malick is, is one of those gateway drugs for me to become the, 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 the jerk I am now. So thank you, Terrence. Thank you, Terrence. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, like, like, To the Wonder is another one that I've only watched, actually watched it once, but uh, it had a profound effect on me when I did watch it. And, um, you know, there's uh, obviously plot doesn't matter in terms of any of this, and it, it's not even relevant, but there's a, a Javier Bardem plays a Catholic priest in that movie. And the, the scene that always is just seared in my mind at it is that, uh, as you can tell, Terrence Malick does a lot with voiceovers and everything, and there's a sequence towards the end of the movie where Javier Bardem's priest character is is praying St. Patrick's breastplate over what you're watching in the movie. You know, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ on my life, left Christ on my right. It's, it's an, again, one of those sequences in cinema that just feels like it, it changes you on a profound level. And uh, to me, a movie like like that sequence or, or the, the major sequences I've cited in tree of life. I, I mentioned to you, I've, I've said this a number of times, uh, not necessarily today, but that tree of life is like being in church to me at times. And there's those sequences because they feel so transcendent, uh, that they feel spiritual in, in a profound way, uh, to me. So that's my history with, right. with tree of life. Yeah. I'm trying to, I've, while I've been talking here, I try to do some research on why did he take 20 years off? Because if you look at the cast members that he ends up bringing into these yeah. films, I mean, star-studded when it comes to, uh, like, his films are different. You wouldn't necessarily see people in this the, of the caliber right. that he gets in in these types of films, but there's something about him that's drawing these actors in. Well, Days of Heaven was just huge. Like, not necessarily on the MCU-type crowd, but, okay. but from a artistic aesthetic point of view and it's a great movie um it, it's a challenging movie i think it's harder to watch in some ways than tree of life is uh even though it's more straightforward with its narrative but it it's a you know it's, it's one of the great cinematography efforts of all time and then it's like anything else you 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 leave people wanting more you just let your legend grow for 20 years it's crazy so you said the new world i should watch the extended version of that is there any others that he has extended versions of that you think I, I think I, I think the only ones he has is Tree of Life and uh, New World. Um, okay. But I prioritize Thin Red Line above. above why is New that? World. I will do that, but why? 
I think Thin Red Line, to me, when you talk about like the spiritual Malik that gets you into that transcendent spiritual space, it's probably number two only to Tree of Life in his filmography that does it. It's, it's a searing movie. That might be the answer to the question I wanted to ask you, but as I've described to you how this one changed me in the sense of made me rethink about different aspects of my life, what other, which other of his films would you recommend that would have a similar effect and you're saying thin red line any others yeah thin red line definitely to the wonder i, th- I think is is great on a personal level i mean they're all great uh, like, except for song to song which i didn't like that much but maybe you need to rewatch. Mm-hmm. uh but yeah they're all so good and and even just from like if you don't connect emotionally with one of them uh the cinematography is unbelievable i mean it, it, there are shots and days of heaven that are are just incredible uh, and Day of Heaven is very, very, uh, you know, if Gen- if this is Genesis in terms of like uh, Cain and Abel and Adam and Eve and all of that, Days of Heaven is very Genesis in terms of Abraham and, and all of that. And there's a lot of, there's deeply biblical references in Days of Heaven. That's kind of interesting. Do you think he's doing chunks of the Bible in different films and that someday you could put them all together? I don't think so. I don't, I, I mean, I don't. I don't think there's some meta level project like that, but uh, Terrence Malick, you know, he's a very, very private person. He almost never does interviews. And I think his contracts famously stipulate that his likeness can't be used in any promotional materials for the movie. So he's very, very private. Um, but from what I understand is that he does have a, a deep and profound faith. I don't know precisely what it is. Um, and, I assume there's a strong Catholic influence. You you feel that very much in Tree of Life. You feel that in Thin Red Line and into the Wonder. Um, but it seems like it's definitely there, you know. So I I think he's very he's very steeped in that. Okay, well I just as a quick checking just to see what would be easily available. The Thin Red Line is available on Hulu. I could watch that anytime now. Uh, it looks like To the Wonder is available on Vudu. Free. Wow. I mean, but you, Fandango. Oh, you're right. Pluto merge. <laughs> yes. So, okay, that's interesting. I wonder if I still have easy access to that now that it's part of Roku. Uh, let's see. What else did I find? Uh, da- uh, Days of Heaven I'm interested in, but not easily available at this point. So, uh, if you're listening to this episode relatively soon after its release, Thin Red Line would be easy for you to watch with me on Hulu. I'll check it out sometime in the, in the next month or so, I'll say. All right. All right, All right listeners. We did it. The Tree of Life, Ben. I'm glad we finally got to this movie you love. I am too. I'm glad you liked it. I did. I love it. And I, I mentioned that I, on a previous episode, I mentioned that I picked up the Criterion Collection oh, version did. of it. Yeah, I got it right over there, actually. Oh, awesome. um, I, one second. Hold on. You talk to everyone. Yeah, the Criterion Collection's great with this because you do get the extended cut. I believe it's the only place you can see the extended cut. Uh, same with New World, actually. That's the only place where you can get Well, no wonder I was going to see it. It's in an envelope. I'll open it here live on the air. Yeah, so you're probably, I believe your plan you said is to watch the extended cut next. Yeah, I want to watch the extended cut and I want to not wait long to watch it. Yeah. I was waiting for this episode so you could tell me more of what to watch for. But yeah, I'll just pick this up here. Uh, and this yeah. is the same thing you have, right? Yes, yeah, so right. I don't necessarily need to look at it. Cause... Right, let me take it back then. Please hand yeah. this back to me. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll be interested in seeing that extended cut sooner than later. But for now, that's all from here. I am Matt Anderson. I am Ben DiBono. And we're the Sci-Fi Christians. Signing off. Goodbye.